So tonight we're looking at accepting God's invitation. And I find it just amazing how the Lord sets us up because I think about the service on Sunday and just the past few services have been on just the Lord calling us to a deeper place of interceding for people, you know. So it's obvious that's what he wants us doing during this time is praying for people that he lays, you know, that lay on our heart and sometimes we're heavy with someone. God wants us to pray for them. Sometimes someone will make a, a need known. That's why I said check your prayer app, ladies, because it's very important to know what's going on with one another because I'd like to conclude this class with us being able to post our prayer requests on the ladies' prayer app not on the general one, on the ladies. You could put on general, but the ladies, sometimes we have issues that we just wanna pray amongst ourselves. So I want us to get in the habit of checking it. I know some ladies don't check it because I'll ask them or they find out something's going on. It's like, well, I didn't know. And it's like, it's on the prayer app. It's been on there, you know? I mean, it just, So check it, it's very important to check it. So that's my encouragement to you tonight. But it falls into the line of accepting God's invitation. So there is a prayer preparation there by Andrew Murray. And this is from our Bible study. We've been studying uh, Sage Becoming Women of Prayer. So we're almost done with the study. We have like two more weeks in it, so. But there is a prayer here by Andrew Murray, and this was his prayer. And we know that the life Andrew Murray had in God, and we know that he wrote so many wonderful books that to this day, it ministers to our generation. You know, just how to have a, a deeper walk with the Lord. And yet, look what he prayed. Lord, teach me to tarry with you in the school of prayer and give you time to train me. He didn't feel like he arrived. He was open to learning more from the Lord. May a deep sense of my ignorance of the wonderful privilege and power of prayer, of the need of the Holy Spirit as the spirit of prayer, lead me to cast away my thoughts of what I think I know and make me kneel before you in true teachableness and poverty of spirit. That is a humble man right there. Didn't matter how long he was walking with the Lord, how many books he wrote, where he spoke. This is what a humble man looks like. Teachable. Willing to learn. Honest. I haven't arrived. I'm still learning. I'm still a student. I'll always be a student. I'll always be a disciple the Lord. So what we have in this Bible study is the invitation. God invites us and we keep hearing him inviting us, right? Every service he's like putting it out there, inviting us. And what we see in Ezekiel, this wasn't, this was the memory verse, Ezekiel 2230, don't, I have a sore throat so I've been fighting something for two days now. But Ezekiel 22, verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall 
and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. And this was before King Nebuchadnezzar was going to come and destroy Judah and Jerusalem, the temple. And I wonder today if the Lord is still, which I know he is still, seeking for someone that would be willing to stand in the gap for the land, for our country, stand in the gap for our leaders, stand in the gap, you've heard me say this for weeks now, for the Middle East, to step outside what we're used to praying for all the time and let God take us where he wants to take us and standing in the gap for the needs that we see all around us, that we hear about. When Ezekiel was saying to, to make up a wall and stand in the gap, making up a hedge or a hedge was a wall of protection which stood as a barrier for safety and privacy. It ensured that wild beasts or thieves would not have easy access to the vineyard. If a section of the wall crumbled or a portion of the hedge was destroyed, the owner or someone he designated would make up the gap in the hedge of the wall to keep out intruders until he could repair the breach. So we see how important that wall is, that wall of protection how important our prayers are. An intercessor is like an ancient guard who stood in the gap and make up the hole in the hedge or the wall. That's how powerful your prayers are. That's how powerful they are. We think they're insignificant, but they're not. Even if it's a little prayer, it doesn't have to be this big old prayer. It could be just a little prayer. God help them. You know, when you see people come to Jesus, what would they mainly say? Help me. I need healing. And he was so willing to touch them, to help them, to heal them. He sees the need. He's looking for intercessors. He's looking for those that will build up that wall, that hedge of protection in that particular situation. It's amazing to me how God would trust us in that way. An intercessor or one that builds up a hedge or a wall is sought to protect the well-being of another person. And I'm not going to say who, but there's someone in this room that some have been praying every day, day and night for. Are you willing to answer that call? To be that one, even when he wakes you up like at two or three in the morning, are you willing to get up? Or you're gonna look at the clock and say, shoot, I could be sleeping. I gotta get my eight hours. I gotta, I mean, they tell me I need eight hours of sleep. An intercessor, one that builds up the wall, stands in the middle between two people 
or between people and God and plead their cause. This is what God is searching for. It's what he's looking for in our generation. He was looking in Ezekiel's generation, but he's looking in our generation as well. And we see the heart of God. This wasn't in the study, but as I was going through it, the Lord was just giving me these scriptures here. In Ezekiel 17, verse 20, where the Lord says, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord, and not that he should turn from his way and live? It's his heart. That's his heart for people. In Ezekiel 18.32, he says, For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord. Therefore, turn and live. No one has a loving heart like our Heavenly Creator, our Heavenly Father. And the length he will go through to reach a soul. Especially when you're interceding, when you're standing in the gap for that person. It amazes me how he just pursues and pursues and keeps reaching out and keeps reaching out and pursues. All because of prayer. Because someone's standing in the gap. But as we know, when an invitation comes, we have to respond, right? RSVP. Will you attend? Will you respond? Or will you say, ah, I don't think so. Not today. Not tonight. Too tired. Not in the mood. I don't feel it. <laughs> well, David, I, I, I can't wait to meet David. You know, I think about Jesus, but I was like, man, what about the other saints that have gone before us that we're going to get to meet one day? David, how many Psalms he's written that really minister to us when we're going through it? When we're going through all kinds of emotions up and down, this way and sideways. Well, he said in Psalm 27, verse 7 and 8, Hear, O Lord, when I cry out with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. David responded when he sensed God was drawing him, calling him. It's amazing how God invites us to spend time with him alone in prayer, and it's mainly for our enjoy, for our enjoyment to enjoy him, like we did tonight in the worship time. We were all enjoying him individually, but yet together. We get refreshed when we come to him. He refreshes us, and he allows us to participate in the establishment of his kingdom here on earth. Isn't that amazing? This is no small thing. This is like huge. That he's entrusting this assignment to all of us. Calling us into an intimate relationship so that we can know him, but also be transformed in his likeness. Where our heart starts to break for the things that his heart breaks for. And our hearts start to love what he loves and hates what he hates. Again, Andrew Murray said, 
One of the first lessons of our Lord in his school of prayer was not to be seen of men. Enter thy inner chamber, be alone with the Father. When he has thus taught us that, the meaning of prayer is personal, individual contact with God. He comes with a second lesson. You have need not only of a secret solitary, but also of a public united prayer. And he gives us very special promises for the united prayer of two or three who agree in what they ask. And we heard that tonight from Brian. God loved that put that on his heart. Brian does not know what we're talking about tonight. God made it clear to us, come and ask. Two or three come and ask. Again, that invitation was sent out to us tonight. So we see prayer should be in solitude. Jesus is our model of that. In Mark 1, verse 35 through 38, it says, now in the morning, having risen long, a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. So notice he went somewhere where there was no distractions. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. Do you ever feel that way? You're trying to spend time with the Lord? Someone finds you? Mommy! <laughs> Everyone's looking for you or the phone blows up with texts or phone calls and the day is started. But Jesus said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I've come forth. See, while Jesus was seeking the Father up in a solitary place, he was receiving his assignment from the Lord for that day. He knew where I'm supposed to go over there. I want you to come with me. And it's so important again to have that time with the Lord, the quiet time, so that he could show us what to pray for, who to pray for, where to go. He will instruct us. Jesus got up early. He went out, departed to a solitary place away from all distractions receiving his instruction for the day, collecting his manner as it was early in the morning, early in the day, and God was directing his steps. And he was faithful to do the Father's will for that day. And to be so connected with the Father in that way that you can lay your head down in bed at night and know, okay, I did what God called me to do for today. I know I fulfilled my God assignment for today. And for each one of us, that looks different. But to have that, you know, just assurance that, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Here's my life. Use me in this way. Use me as your vessel in this way. There's another account from Mark 1, another account. Luke gives this account in chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. It said, however, the report went around concerning him all the more. Every time he would go out and pray. And the great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed of him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. 
Why do you think he did that? He would be with the crowds, but then he would withdraw often to go be with the Father. Why do you think he did that? To know what God wanted him to do. Strength to be refreshed. You know, because you'd be poured out, you'd be poured out, poured out. You have to be refreshed. Can't run on empty. I mean, you can, <laughs> but it, you have to be refreshed. You have to take those times. And that's why I say, especially the moms that you have your husbands, man, tell them, hey, take the kids. I need time. And I know Teresa's offered numerous times to use the, the houses that they have on their property to get away with the Lord. You could use upstairs in the counseling center. It's a quiet place to get away with the Lord. If you need a break, take it. It's very important and you're not being selfish. You're not being selfish. You need God to refill you, to replenish you especially if you're pouring yourself out in prayer for others. Matthew 6, verse 5 and 8 tells us how to approach God. And again, these are, this is all scriptures from the Bible study. Jesus said, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you, they have their reward, but you, we hear this again, when you go, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you even ask him. So when Jesus was talking about this, he was addressing the Pharisees because they like to pray to be seen by others. They would seek out the most prominent location in the temple to pray in order to be seen by men and to receive the praise of men. That men might adore them, admire them. It was really feeding their pride. And that's what Jesus was dealing with when he shared this with them. Praying in public gave them an opportunity of making themselves noticed. They had turned prayer into a performance or a religious formula. And Jesus said, pray in secret. Well, only your father said, instead of praying, he was basically saying to them, praying to be seen by men, pray to your father who is in secret. And we see some biblical examples of this. With Isaac, he went to a field to pray. Moses, he went up to a mountain to pray. Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. He went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. Nathaniel prayed under a fig tree. And what's so awesome about Nathaniel, Jesus saw him. So that's encouraging because that tells us every time we choose to 
lock ourselves in our secret place with the Father, he sees us. Peter went on a housetop to pray. And Paul also prayed in secret when he had his blinded by the light. Revelation of Jesus, scales on his eyes. He was praying, Lord, send me. Send me someone. God sees. He sees all the prayers. Don't let the devil lie to you that he's not hearing you. He sees the prayers. He's storing them up. And he will answer them in his time and in his way. Just say, Lord, here I am. I want to be that watchman on the wall as it was and intercede for those things that you lay on my heart to pray for. David <clears throat> McIntyre, this is from the Bible, said, Certainly, if we are to have a quiet hour set down in the midst of a hurry of duties and to keep that time inviolated, I'm hoping I'm saying that right. We must exercise both planning and self-denial. We must be prepared to forego many things that are pleasant and some things that are profitable. Let no one who can find time for vanity say that they do not have enough time for prayer. We have to reclaim our time. It may be from recreation, or from special events, or from study, or from works of benevolence. Wherever it comes from, we must find time every day to enter into our closet and having shut the door to pray to our Father who is in secret. So again, we see the importance of that. So I just want to jump down because we are not going to have enough time to go through all this. But there are times where in the Bible study says uh, prayer is accompanied with fasting. Sometimes the Lord will lay it on your heart to fast for someone and to do it for however long. For however long. There were different reasons why different ones fasted in scripture. Isaiah 58 verses 1 through 7, Isaiah spoke to the children of Israel and said, Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet, tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sin. Yet they daily seek me and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me of the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fists of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? And there's times that we do fast for that reason. God shows us our hearts. He shows us the wickedness in our own heart. 
and he wants us to afflict our souls as we're seeking him, as we're interceding. Maybe we have to repent of unbelief. Maybe we have to repent of accusing God, like we just read. I've been fasting, I've been praying, and you're not answering my prayer, God. Come on, what's wrong? We have the bad attitude. So God deals with us. We've all been there. So he calls a fast. And the fast is, afflict your souls. You know, you see that throughout the Old Testament. And even in the New Testament. Amend your ways. How many times the prophets turn so that you can live. And John the Baptist, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, when he came, what did he preach? Repent. In the book of Acts, the early church, what was the message? Repent. <laughs> There's always something to repent of. And we have to realize if we're coming before the Lord in prayer, he's going to show us what those things are. It's good to start your time with the Lord with repentance and confession. It's good. Then you don't have to wait till you get to church to do it. Just start out every day. Lord, I know I need to repent of this and that, right, Lucas? <laughs> He's staring at me, smiling. <laughs> yeah, mommy's, mommy's teaching you well. <laughs> yeah, so start off your day that way. Start off your time. That way you don't have to wait till you get to church and then you have all this stuff. It's like you feel like you can't even enter into worship because you know you have all this stuff over you. Afflict your souls. Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. And that was a symbol of humbling ourselves before God. Would you call this a fast an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the nakedness that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. So that portion of scripture is like compact. And it's good to take that and just study it out and break it down if God is calling you to fast so you know how to fast right. Because we all, again, have to learn. We're continually learning how to fast right. Jesus, in Matthew 6, 16 through 18, for people that say, yeah, that's Old Testament. We're not under Old Testament no more. New Testament, Jesus. This is from Jesus. He said, moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites. <laughs> so he was always dealing with hypocrisy, Jesus, with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. There should be an end there. Surely I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in secret place. And your Father who is in the secret place, again, we see that he'll reward you openly. So as you're saying, Lord, here I am, I do want to answer the call. I do want to build up that wall 
I want to pray for the need that you're showing me. Lord, help me to know how to fast in this situation. If you want me to fast for the situation, help me to do it right, not to like twist your arm or just to trust you. Trust that you want to do what I'm asking, right? He's so cute. He's staring. And then there's a time, I'm going to read this here. The purpose of fasting is not to get through to God, but to allow him to get through to you. During a fast, you should spend time you would otherwise spend eating in prayer and seeking God. You may want to start with a short fast, forego one meal, and use that time in prayer and Bible study. God should initiate and maintain a fast. It will be a privilege and a joy. A time of fasting is really a real time of intimacy with the Lord. And that was from Jennifer Dean from the Bible study. But then there are times where, okay, we're praying to God in secret, right? We got our prayer journal going on. We're repenting. We're lifting up people. We're praying. We're believing him for miracles, signs, wonders for different situations. And he is doing it. I want to say he is doing it. He is doing signs and wonders in this church. Look at what's happening at Meadowview, right? Look what's happening in the community. It's, he's doing it. He is doing it. But then there's time we come together in corporate prayer and community. And that's what we do on Wednesdays. And what's so amazing is when you look at the early church, everything was based around corporate prayer. And I'm just going to read some of these um, situations here. I'm looking at the time. In Acts 1, verse 15 through 26, believers prayed for guidance in making decisions. In Acts 4, 23 through 31, believers prayed for courage to witness. In Acts 2, 42 through 47 and 3, verse 1 and 6, verse 4, believers prayed as a regular part of their daily ministry. Acts 7, 55 through 60, Stephen prayed as he was being stoned. In Acts 8, 14 through 17, Peter and John prayed for the Samaritans. Acts 9, verse 11, Saul of Tarsus prayed after his conversion. Acts 9, 36 through 43, Peter prayed before he raised Dorcas from the dead. Acts 10, verse 1 through 4, Cornelius prayed that God would show him how to be saved. Acts 10, verse 9, Peter prayed on the housetop when God told him how to be the answer to Cornelius' prayer. God wants to use you to be the answer to someone else's prayer. Acts 12, verse 1 through 11, the believers in John Mark's house prayed for Peter when he was in prison, and the Lord delivered him both from prison and from death. And again, I think about the hostages in the Middle East that we should be praying for. Acts 13, 1 through 3, and 14 through uh, verse 23. The church at Antioch prayed before sending out Barnabas and Paul. Acts 16, 13, the believers prayed in a prayer meeting in Philippi and God opened Lydia's heart. 
Acts 16 and 20, verse 25, the believers prayed at another prayer meeting in Philippi and God opened the prison doors. Acts 20, verse 36 and 21, verse 5, Paul prayed for his friends before leaving them. Everything was bathed in prayer in the early church. Acts 7, verse 35, Paul prayed for God's blessing in the midst of a storm. Acts 28 and verse 8, Paul prayed after the storm and God healed a sick man. So there's times where God will call you to be an intercessor, like we read about in Ezekiel, but then there's times he will call us to come together and pray for a need, or more than one need, as a body. Yeah, he's so enjoying this teaching, I love it. That's the next generation there. <laughs> Praying with others draws us closer to the Lord and closer to one another. And just so you know, Jeff did not know what I'm speaking on tonight, and we heard that. Didn't we hear that tonight? God is speaking to us. He's speaking to us. He had no idea what my teachings are. He never knows what I'm teaching on. I don't tell him. So, I'm going to read this because this is from the author of the Bible study, and this is uh, her testimony on page 83 of the Bible study. She said, it is always a delight to receive an invitation from someone whose company we enjoy, right? I mean, people we like being around when they invite us to do something, go somewhere, it's like, yeah, I'm going. Certainly, we've been invited by God to know him, to experience him, and to be a part of his plan. To refuse such a request seems unthinkable. The eternal, majestic God of the universe wants to converse with me? How can I say no? Yet, I find myself declining God's invitation. Why? Because I'm selfish. I'm lured away by my own desires. I don't seek his kingdom first. I do not seek his face. I allow myself to be distracted. distracted. I'm too busy. The Lord says, however, that I don't have to live this way. I can change. He has extended to me a wonderful call. He has given me his Holy Spirit to enable me to accept his invitation. I can choose to enter into the secret chambers. I can choose to spend time with friends interceding for what God lays on our hearts and for what will bring him glory. I want God's very best. I want to know him and I want to see him act. The Living Bible paraphrases Jeremiah 33.3 in this way, ask me and I will tell you some remarkable secrets. How tragic to miss out on any of God's remarkable secrets because I never took enough time to answer his call. John 16, 24, we heard this from Brian tonight. Jesus said, until now, you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be full. So 
the question I would ask you tonight. Will you answer the call? If you know God is calling you, especially if you can't fall asleep, or maybe you were sleeping so great and now you're wide awake and you look at the clock and it's 1.30, maybe 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, will you answer the call? There's a lot to pray for. I know I gave you a handout before Jesse did the class on intercession when I was in New York. We could pray for those who labor in the gospel, for converts, for the peace of Jerusalem, we're told to pray for that, for a full manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit throughout the global church, not only Lighthouse, not only Lighthouse or Grant County, for the sending forth of laborers, for believers who have fallen into sin or are backslidden, for all who are in adversity, for all kings and rulers, for all the saints, for one another in our own immediate circle, for our families. This soul's waiting on us to answer the call. So, <clears throat> a prayer for seeking God again, David, Psalm 63, verse 1 through 8. O oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, and my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you and your right hand upholds me. Let that be your testimony. It's not just for David. He left it for us so that it could become our testimony too. And we could pass it on to the next generation and the next generation and just keep it, passing it on to the others that will come before us. Next week is our final Bible study in Becoming Women of Prayer and the last chapter is Sweet Hour of Prayer. So that will be our last chapter that Lord willing will do next week. But I'm just going to close this out in prayer. Lord, I do thank you that you still invite us. You still look to see if anyone would answer that call. Is there anyone that would stand in the gap 
that the land would not be destroyed, that people's souls would not be destroyed. God, would you make us into the intercessors you created us to be? It's not just for a chosen few. It's, it's only a chosen few because only a chosen few answer that call. But this is for everyone to become an intercessor, to pray in the way you want us to pray for all the needs that we heard tonight. God, you lay it on our hearts, the ones you want us to pray for, what to pray for. Lord, you are the one. Lord, lead us, guide us. Holy Spirit, we need your help. And we know that you will help us because you were sent to help us to pray. Help us to pray through things, Lord. Help us not to get discouraged or quit. Lord, help us to keep knocking on the door until you open that door and you give bread to those that we're praying for. So many need bread. So many need wisdom. So many need guidance. So many need healing. So many need deliverance. So many need freedom, Lord. There's so many needs, oh God. And help us to see them from your perspective, Lord. I pray that Jesus break us out of our little world, Lord, that we live in. Help us to see the bigger picture. As we spend time in your word, Holy Spirit, unveil what the bigger picture is, your kingdom, so we could pray kingdom prayers and that you can establish what you want to establish in the earth during this time that we're living in, this generation we're living in. Lord, there's a reason why we're here. And I pray that you would just help us, Lord, to be the women of prayer that you're calling us to be in this church, Lord. And help us to bear one another's burdens like we heard tonight. Lord, that we would really enter in that prayer chamber with you, lifting up each other's needs, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.